Reading now from the sixth chapter of Isaiah. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him, each with six wings. With two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed from you and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Here am I. Send me. Here I am, Lord, I'll go. We sung, Here I am, Lord, enough to think that this is normal behavior. It's a common response, a typical way of dealing with God. Here I am. God has a task to be performed. Starts looking around. Who's going to be my dude? Right here, God. Whatever you say, I'll do it. Just ask. Maybe because we've heard these stories of people walking with Jesus, listening to Jesus, talking with Jesus, being called by Jesus and responding, that this Isaiah story isn't surprising to us. They were with God. Why shouldn't Isaiah be? Jesus asked things of them and they responded. Others in the Bible did. Why not Isaiah? It seems so natural, so biblical. But what if the story's name was not Isaiah? What if the person in the story was Pearson? Or the person named in the story was Natalie? Would that get our attention? In the year that St. Star died, Pearson saw the Lord sitting on the throne. Natalie heard the seraph saying, Holy, holy, holy. And Pearson and Natalie and the other graduates said to each other, Whoa, what is this? We are people of unclean lips. We're part of a church of people with unclean lips. What is God doing here? And the seraph pointed to a cross and said, your sins are forgiven. You can be in God's presence without fear. You are free, young people. You're part of a church of people who are freed, young people. But listen, a servant and a leader has died. Servants and leaders have died, and God is asking, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? You should know if you're going to risk being in God's presence 
that God doesn't always ask. Abram, leave your people. Moses, lead your people. Samuel, speak truth to these people, God said. God doesn't always wonder aloud who will fill a role. Sometimes God just grabs somebody. Maybe you do know that. Maybe we've celebrated that a little too much. Maybe that's why some of us wait for a moment, a a clear-cut call, our version of the story we've heard so often. I thought I was doing just fine on my own. Then God came and got me. Now I'm doing this thing for God. Maybe we've overemphasized that call story and underemphasized Isaiah's. Isaiah comes into a place of worship. God is there. Flying creatures are there. They surround God. They speak of God's glory, God's holiness, God's otherness. Isaiah knows he's out of his element. People die in situations like these. You aren't supposed to look at God. The moment overwhelms him. His sinfulness comes to mind. What if his sinfulness comes to God's mind? Hearing him cry, a seraph approaches. Here's a coal. It'll burn you clean. Your guilt is gone. And just then, You know, timing is everything. Just then, God asks, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? For whatever reason, it's not. All right, Isaiah, you've seen me and lived. Your sins have been forgiven. You will go for us. And for whatever reason, it's not. All right, God, you've got a job to do. And I know just the person to do it. His name is Isaac and he lives down the street. I'll go get him for you. When God says, who will go? Isaiah says, I will. It's graduation season. That time of year when high profile people go to high profile places and talk. Everyone benefits. The school gets their name out there for hosting people whose names are already out there. The speakers get paid well to do 20 minutes of advice about seizing the day or giving your best or not missing out on what truly matters while you seize the day and give your best. I was thinking about people like me, people who speak in front of crowds on a regular basis, how we never get invited to give commencement addresses. Maybe we're too exposed. Maybe people know we've said all that we know to say and more. More likely, we're not all that appealing to the masses. We draw our wisdom from a timeless book and from centuries of thought. Newsworthy commencement speakers make mindless movies or drive around in circles for many miles and get paid well to do it, which means they obviously have more to say than we do. I suppose the .001% of graduates who will star in movies or drive in pursuit of the Sprint Cup will get something out of those speeches. 
All I could do is speak to the rest of the graduates who were sitting there and will spend their lives trying to figure out how to sort through this life. When people don't call you up on a regular basis and tell you how great you are. Where the skills that you attain and the talents you possess are too often overlooked. Where God's voice is not clearly heard you still want to respond to the awe that you feel and and, and the gratitude you have for God's mercy in your life. Well, since Duke forgot to ask me yet again this year, I'll give my commencement address to you. It's really quite simple. Over the course of your life, God may speak directly to you once. If your life is really unusual, maybe twice. There are some Abrahams and and Moses and Samuels still in the world. There probably are more than we know if we would listen a little better. But to think you're going to hear, uh, hey, Trevor, do this. Harriet, I've got this thing I need you to do from the voice of God on a regular basis. Well, that's not been my experience. My experience has been... Here's some stories about Jesus. What he did when he walked around Israel. How he treated others. What he had to say about a life of faith. And then over here, there's, there's these letters from a guy named Paul. Letters to churches who are trying to figure out what to do, how to be as faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. And then back here a little bit more is just this group of stories about what happens when the Holy Spirit gets loose among followers and And how God can move in our lives. Here are some accounts of God at work. And if you know these and you walk through your day and are just a little bit attentive, God doesn't have to say, Hey, Mary Britt, here's the play. You go do this. Instead, God's in a position of saying, Who's going to make sure that person knows she matters? Who's going to put a better roof on that woman's house? Who's going to tell this man that he could be freed of his sins and live a new life in Christ? Who will lead my people in singing my praises? Who will feed this hungry child of mine? Who will lead my church? And the answer to any one of those questions, your answer to any one of those questions can be, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Or what about this? What if even before God asks the questions, we see the need and we offer ourselves? We don't have to be invited to do those things we know that God wants us to do. Those things that the Spirit inspires and the book reveals. We just know ought to be done. We don't have to wait to be told. We don't need permission to do good when an opportunity presents itself. The church, the world, I dare say God, needs more people who are willing to just go ahead and do the thing that needs to be done, not wait to be asked. We're sending you graduates out as missionaries. And we pray that we've helped to lay a foundation of faith and discipleship that will guide you whatever it is you face.
Forgive us for what we haven't done as well as we could have. Do better than we've done when you're mentoring others. And that time will be soon. It may already be now. In fact, you're in a position, and you will be in a position every day of your lives to show other people the love of God. The truth is, and I don't know if we've told them this already, but you've been in that position for years now. I'm not just talking about what you say to others, although that's a huge part of it. I'm talking about what you do and what you don't do, what you don't say. It's all part of a whole. It's all part of your witness. Your whole life is your witness. You'll get some things wrong. I do every day. But if your life begins with, your day begins with, here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me to share your love, Lord. Well, then you'll get more right than wrong. You'll fill that void that is created every time we lose one of these saints, one of these leaders, one of these servants among us. And you'll be part of creating, helping to create new saints among us. Who will go for God? You will. It's what you're sent to do. Go. All of you. Go. And may the Lord go with us all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.